the new edition of the Interjections podcast. This uh, episode is uh, going to cover another hidden gem as we've been going through the undiscovered decade of the 1990s. Uh, that was my terrible Walken accent in honor of Christopher Walken, as you saw in Corey's shirt, uh, was in King of New York in September 1990. So that's what we're going to be covering today. You just reemerged as if you were coming from Rikers Island in jail for 12 years. Actually, I don't know how long he was in there. Is that Rikers or Sing Sing? Supposed to be Rikers, apparently. They call it Sing Sing. Or no, Sing Sing's up the river, like closer to Albany. Well, he does say that he's been there for his life, so. Yeah. Half his life, okay. Okay, so it was at least 12 years. (laughs) I was thinking like 20, something like that. Yeah, I don't think they actually say a number, but. They don't need to. He's in for a while. It's got to be short enough that all of his his uh, crime family remembers him. You know? Yeah. So pretty much this is a uh, mafia movie, right? It's uh, rival gangs throughout Manhattan. Uh, maybe not like Italian mafia as we know it as another popular film that came out this month uh, represented. But it's it's a gang movie, crime, cops and crime drama. Yeah, so... Christopher Walken is the head of his own outfit. Uh, they actually do a little switcheroo when you start, when he gets back from Rikers. Uh, you're, you're thinking that there's a rival gang taking out other leaders because Lawrence Fishburne and his men take out one of their rivals and then show up at Walken's hotel room as he arrives. And then it turns out they're buddy-buddy. And it's actually that Lawrence Fishburne is his number two. So okay. I thought that was a neat little thing. So Lawrence Fishburne is amazing in this film, I think. He's oh yeah, he's great. Part. Yeah. You mean uh, Larry Fishburne? He, uh, Larry, this is when yeah. Lawrence from Larry. Yeah. He he he, <laughs> pl- he plays he plays he plays psychotic pretty well. Yeah. Which is surprising considering like most people's like conception of uh, Lawrence Fishburne is a uh, Morpheus from the Matrix. Yeah, that's his like, big thing. A now. wise dude, but. Yeah. It's like, funny because you and I were talking about the many shades of Giancarlo Esposito because of the Mandalorian, and we get to see another side of him in this movie. Yeah, he's another one of Walken's men, uh, and it's it, they're both so young in this. It's just so weird because they become like wise or or alternate identities now that we know them as. Because this has an incredible supporting cast. Yeah, yeah. you got Steve Buscemi, another one of Walken's men. Yeah, um, Paul Calderon, who's popped up in a bunch of things. Harold Perrineau shows up as a subway mugger at one point. It's his first significant role in anything, so that was cool. And I actually picked him out. Mm. So yeah, um, David Caruso, Miami. David Caruso is yeah. one of the cops. I didn't recognize him till like way later in the movie because like the way he, like he's so young and uh, skinny that like. Uh, wasn't until like later when he was at like at a certain angle just like looking down and like serious i'm like i know that look you don't recognize that sunglasses 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 on but yeah david caruso's man just made a career out of being an asshole cop yeah Yeah. he has because then he does nypd blue right after this yeah uh wesley snipes is in the movie who also had his own hit thing new jack city right after this right i knew him from csi miami Wesley Snipes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they actually both weren't that big yet. I didn't realize. I thought Wesley Snipes was bigger in the '80s, but this is when he kind of takes yeah. off. So I didn't realize until I was looking up the trivia for this. He 
actually was brought on because David Caruso suggested him because they were buddies. Hmm. And so they're, that's why their camaraderie is pretty palpable, right? <laughs> so. Um, yeah, right before this, he had done Mo Better Blues. Which wasn't huge, but, you know, it was like he's getting famous in 1990. Right. It's one of those things where he pops up in two movies back to back, you know? Yeah. So um, who else was there? The women weren't big, but there was... Uh, Teresa Randall. Yeah, Teresa Randall, who I haven't seen the Bad Boys movies, but I've seen Space Jam, so at least I've seen her in something else. All right. No, she's her not claim part fair. of that. That's, that's yeah. not why I watched Space Jam. But uh, she was good in this. She doesn't really say much, but she has some interesting facial expressions, so I kind of want to see her have a bigger role. So I got I to gotta check out the Bad Boys movies. I'm pretty sure one of the guys um, that was in uh, Fishburne's first scene with the uh, with with Steve Buscemi and all that. I'm pretty sure, like some guy standing against the wall with a beard was like the um, the guy from Airplane. I swear, was the the guy from Airplane? Robert Hayes. Pilot. Yeah, I swear. I, I, I know who you're talking about. That was not Robert Hayes, but he kind of looks like him. You know what? I'm saying it was Robert Hayes. I've decided it's there. That's what he did right before Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Yeah, and one of Frank's prostitutes was Julie Haggerty. <laughs> yeah, right. That'd be weird. Yeah. Um, you know, it's we, funny. This movie is like pretty renowned for a lot of memes. Like you, you see this movie pop up in a lot of memes. Is it really? Uh, yeah, and you can see there's a couple moments in the movie that you know there's some walkinisms that are pretty popular. Like him doing the swing dance when Lawrence Fishburne comes out. Yeah. And uh, him trying on the glove. Oh, yeah. That that one I did know. Isn't that how but, he got the Fat Boy Slim video? Yeah. They kind yeah, of got much. Yeah, I bet. But uh, I felt like he, he wasn't just uh, kind of traipsing on his iconic status. I felt like he brought like kind of a, an enigma and a a melancholy to the character especially in the first scene when he's coming out of jail and she's like do you want to stop and he's like no he's looking around his old neighborhood just yeah. kind of uh, like navel gazing it was kind of a cool entrance because he you were saying he doesn't talk for like 15 minutes i think yeah movie. first major line is 15 minutes in okay. yeah so he says, no. it, it, it gives it this unsettling quality that you know he's king of New York because that's the title. So if you don't know anything about this and you see him get out of jail, it's like, what is he really? Is he a former king? Is he going to make it like start from the bottom now and rise back up? Yeah. But he kind of was anyway. So he's reclaiming his throne. Oh, it's kind of a postmodern Robin Hood. Beforehand. Yeah. Just a random nerd thought. Like since he's king of New York, you know, that means he's an integral character in the... Uh, Popular anime known as Bleach. Is that Kong? Oh, King yeah. of New York. Oh yeah, ah, I never ah, thought of that. If anybody, yeah, we watched Bleach a little bit. I don't think this was well, back in the day. Yeah, I haven't watched in a while. But uh, I think this movie is Abel Ferrara's take on Robin Hood. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. A, a gangster Robin. Yeah, because then yeah, the Warren Fishburne is definitely like. Um, What's his name? Baloo in the animated one. Oh, Little John. Yeah, Little John. Thank you. Sad that that's what I went to. Um, but you got all the other guys. You got the uh, Robin O. 
I don't remember the characters in Robin Hood right now. I'm blanking. It's fine. Um, but the <laughs> Plaza Hotel is like his Sherwood Forest. Right. When he meets those guys in the subway when he's having sex on the subway for some reason. Right. Um, sure. He offers them jobs like he's trying to get them to be part of his merry band of thieves. Mm-hmm. You got oh. your sheriff of Nottingham who uh, we just saw in Quick Change as the uh, mafioso that uh, Bill Murray tells off, which I didn't realize. We spent yeah. the whole movie like, why have we seen him? Yeah, he was <laughs> like, he's familiar. We'll figure it out later. Maybe he was in another gangster film we saw. Yeah, so that's Victor Argo. Yeah. Um, but he has his own men. I don't remember Sheriff of Nottingham having henchmen, but I mean, it is more David Caruso and Wesley Snipes at first trying to take right. him down because they have this idealistic vengeance that uh they think cops there's that speech that caruso gives where he's like we're supposed to be the good guys and, and it's like the scumbags that run the system so how are we ever going to be called good people which is right. kind of a poignant this year uh, so but they keep it deliberately ambiguous as to what his agenda is until like the final act walking yeah 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 and i like that a lot I still don't know exactly what he wants just to be king. I think I think what it is is like uh, they they kind of hint at it and then he like kind of just comes out about it to the uh, older uh, detective. Oh, that, or cop. Okay. Like he, he like he, we, we know he's a bad guy because he's doing gangster <laughs> shit. He's killed a lot of people. He's pushing drugs. But like uh, he establishes uh, later on uh, to the detective when they have a face to face. He's like, hey, look, uh, all, all this stuff that I'm pushing, like the drugs and whatnot, like that's been around since forever. I'm just a business guy, like trying to make a buck. But you know He's what I'm not it. doing? I'm not doing what all the other gangsters that I took out and have replaced. I'm not like prostituting okay. children. Uh, I'm not- um, Human trafficking. Human yeah. trafficking. I'm not human trafficking. Yeah. Uh, like a crap ton of the money that I'm making, I'm trying to save the hospital so like yeah sure I'm, true, a, yeah I'm a bad guy but like i'm not that. a bad guy i'm a good yeah. guy he's yeah sort of good guy in a bad situation <laughs> yeah. yes comes back yeah. around. so like i think his motives are like <clears throat> he's like your, your your typical like street kid that grew up found power and wants to give back to the community in a weird way that he that makes sense to him because he probably grew up this way this is all yeah, he knows that's so like, a good point yeah and that's, so he's like a nucky thompson yeah it's uh you only have a short amount of time in life so if you're gonna be filled into this situation you might as well take advantage of it rather than bang your head against the wall like caruso yeah you know kind of you know the way that that Corey described it as the you know gangster robin hood that, yeah you know a, a good way of, of looking at it because I, I do like the premise and you know he's just he's already this notorious kingpin he's already been in jail he can't change that legacy so now he's just going to use it to bring the the less fortunate back up to a decent level you know that's why when he's getting mugged on the subway, he just throws the money and says, just come work for me. Yeah, I even took that moment as like, he doesn't fear death, because if this is it, this is as far as I got, you know? Yeah, and another, and another uh, like moment where that, like that mentality is like solidified 
is uh with this uh like secondhand man uh fishburn, um, yeah. fishburn when he's um <laughs> at some point in the movie he gets arrested but before he gets arrested he goes into a uh, uh, chicken place yeah fried chicken, that was a good scene. yeah fried chicken joint and like um as he walks in the uh, person behind the register is giving a hard time to the kids that are just goofing around the uh, um arcade games but they don't he knows they don't have money so he's like get away from those you're not you're not going to play with them why are you in front of them somebody with money might want to play with them go away shoo and like fishburne's character sees that and like he starts giving he starts giving the guy behind the uh register just a hard time the whole time he's there like giving him an attitude uh smart mouthing him just like you know just uh trying to raz the guy and then like after he makes his order he walks over to the uh table that the kids are at sees the uh the grandmother of them and she looks tired she's beat and like uh probably broke because just kids can't play video games uh, chicken wing um, or something so he walks over and just like hands them a handful of quarters like guys just go go play video games be young have fun and then you're like oh wow like he's and being a, he, he was being he was being a prick to this guy behind the register for a reason yeah he's not a bad guy he's doing he's like doing the whole like get back to the community look out for the little guy type deal hey, it's a little uh, john move like uh fuck the guy that's working for the establishment i.e the guy behind the register yeah that is that is a good point i really never thought of the robin hood thing but that's a really good angle yeah that's cool yeah um i liked every lawrence fishburne scene i think he's my favorite easily um he definitely steals the movie out from under christopher walken he's also yeah. the only one who actually shows any pain when he's being shot to death yeah this is cool. like collapses in typical movie fashion lawrence fishburne screams for five minutes yeah yeah which is pretty accurate and, and he and he he does, he does like he does the uh the pre-death twitch pretty good yeah you yeah. don't see that in most movies when he's, like somebody's dying they're just like this is kind of like uh, He's like, no, he's doing, he's like, he's doing the body, like the body's convulsing. Yeah, he like, wants it, to be like, put out of his misery. Yeah, because like the, that's what muscles do when you're dying. Like they start shaking uncontrollably yeah. because like just like the. So, Truly, when Larry became Lawrence. Yeah. One of the greatest actors of his day. Yeah, I I want to see more of his early stuff. I never saw Boys in the Hood, so. Oh, he's great, man. I check that. Uh, out. Have you seen uh, Apocalypse Now? Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah, Apocalypse like, Now is he, probably my favorite he, war he was film. Like so. a scrawny kid in that, like. Yeah. When yeah. I, saw that, I didn't recognize him. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, was now he's a fat old man. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, in terms of uh, Frank White's moral compass, you would think more gangster rappers would try to idolize him over Scarface because, like uh, Jimmy was saying, he has more of a magnanimous agenda, more so than Scarface did. Yeah. Just strange that he influenced a whole generation of gangster rappers and frank white didn't although it is strange to think that it's Actually, a white man in charge of all black gang members did you also white white italian guys well, so like white adjacent did you did you read the trivia on imdb i didn't know this apparently uh notorious big took frank white as a pseudonym in a couple of his songs oh. i never noticed that but obviously i hadn't seen this movie yet so I'll, was I'm that, go back and listen to some songs. Was that following this movie or did this movie take it from 
Biggie. Uh, well, this is 90, so I think his albums are like 91. I don't know the exact years because I didn't really listen to any Biggie until college. So, yeah, because I did, just didn't listen to rap when I was right. a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, um, the other thing, like at the beginning, I thought that he was supposed to be like a whitey bulger type. Right. Um, that was kind of because he did, he looked like whitey bulger too. So I'm like, is this supposed to be that? But then I realized he's in New York and Bulger was in Boston. Yeah, not Boston. I'm like, maybe not. Yeah, his big stuff was after 91, so B.I.G. But yeah, I, I agree with that take on Bulger and everything. Oh, yeah. Um, this is pretty crazy. Movie. Also, yeah. apparently it was financed by the richest man in Italy. Who became one of the most corrupt men in Italy, Silvio Berlusconi. Which makes perfect sense for some reason. Are you trying to say that Abel Ferrara is corrupt? No. no. Or he's crazy. Entirely. Because it could be both. Yeah. Well, he wasn't financing it. He just, you know, he got the money. He didn't make the money. Yeah. Well, this is. You know what I mean? This movie preceded his. his magnum opus, which is Bad Lieutenant. Yeah, these two movies are probably his peak, right? I would think so. Yeah. I didn't know this was sort of a trilogy of films. Obviously, Bad Lieutenant isn't part of it, but uh, there's the two other films, the uh, the funeral and... Walkins in that. Yeah, and the addiction, which is that vampire movie he does with Walken. Lily Taylor's in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like a little f- trilogy with that. Um, Paul Calderon, who was the uh, the one that kind of rats the mags up the the location to the cops where Walken's men are going to be. Uh, he helped write Bad Lieutenant with him. I didn't realize. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's I love a, Bad Lieutenant. He has like a whole cabal of actors that that work with him in his films. Ferrara. Um, yeah. Now, uh, Willem Dafoe works with him quite a bit. Yeah, hmm. that four 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 movie he did a couple years ago, and Siberia that just came out. Oh, he did Siberia. Not the uh, Keanu Reeves movie. No, it, no, I know which one you're talking. Yeah, about. different one. Yeah, both but, are not well known. No. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Tony was uh, financing a bunch of movies around this time, so I think he helped get at least this. Did he? Did he finance Bad Lieutenant as well? Do you know? I know sure. around the early 90s. Uh, I know Edward Pressman did Bad Lieutenant because then obviously he had the rights to do the remake gotcha. with uh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. You like both though, right? Yeah, I love both of them. Yeah. I got to see both this. distinctly different though. Yeah. Well, Ferrara's not afraid to get some... Uh, strange sexual moments in there like the one on the uh, subway yeah yeah this like groping and like awkward heavy <laughs> making out it was quite like, gratuitous yeah you'd never see that from walking yeah before yeah well that's what bad lieutenant has it's just him. frontal yeah it's walking. yeah that's it's right like openly like tongue out making out with people or 
like a third of the movie. I'm like, yeah, there's a hard cut to his tongue waggling in the yeah. subway. It's just disturbing. Well, apparently, this movie is, that, is that like a signature thing of his? Like, you know how directors have signature shots that they do? How he kisses. Well, you know what? Um, that, that's his money shot. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say throughout this movie and throughout uh, Bad Lieutenant, there's a lot of Catholic uh, iconography in the background so they cut to the virgin mary statue a couple of times in this and at one and the whole plot in uh bad lieutenant's revolving around the rape of a nun so there's a couple of times where he goes into a church um so i think that's like a running theme throughout of all abel ferrara's movies uh, like expiation of past sins too which is what i guess frank white's trying to do mm-hmm that rape is actually why his longtime writer didn't help him with uh, Battle Lieutenant why Calderon came in. Because Nicholas St. John wrote pretty much every film he's done in his first half of his career, except for Battle Lieutenant, which is his biggest. I was going to say the other really well-known Abel Ferrar movie that is kind of similar is uh, Miss 45. Right. And at one point, she's uh, she goes to a costume party dressed as a nun. Yeah. But apparently Nicholas St. John has heavy Catholic leanings, so he didn't want to be a part of what happens in Bad Lieutenant. Oh. Uh, really. So fair. if you look at Miss 45, he's fine with that. He helped her. Right. So and he writes this stuff. So yeah. Um yeah, that, that woman that he is grouping in the subway, uh, this is probably her biggest thing. She shows up in a another film. Uh, Ferraris, but doesn't really do much else. She's, it's Janet Julian, who really never goes on to do anything else. She she left in '95 because she had some kid left Hollywood, because she had uh, uh, some kids and then went to take care of them. Became a teacher. Mm-hmm. So, to any of her former students, if they want to check this out, just saying. It might not be her. That might be a body double when they cut to. That's true. Rest. True. That was. That was weird. Yeah. I mean, well, the, apparently this movie also had to be cut down significantly to avoid an X rating. Because it doesn't of, seem that violent. So is there an extended well, no, version I mean, of that the, With all the nudity, with all the, with all the nudity, the, the, the fucks and the, you know, the blatant drug use and licking cocaine off each other's bodies. I'm like, this is <laughs> yeah, clearly <true>. like... <laughs> Almost yeah, the next Well, certainly an Abel Ferrara movie. Yeah. yeah. Gratuitous everything. Right. If we can't come Let's up take... with any decent dialogue, we'll just shoot everybody. And... Yeah, I take it Jeff's not a fan of this movie. I yeah. am not. I mean, I'm, I, I, I like the concept. I like the premise as far as like, <laughs> you know, this, this underworld Robin Hood. But it's just, it's almost a parody of itself with all this just like, it's constant machine guns, constant motherfuckers, constant, like just throwing cocaine in each other's faces. I'm like, it, it feels like all of the bad crime movies that all of my classmates made in, in college. Yeah, this time like, they this is, like this was all their inspiration for that. And I'm like, it had a really good story that I feel like could have been a lot more emotionally impactful if they didn't just like blow everybody away when they couldn't think of something to say. 
I think that was his point. I think that's <clears throat> what he wanted. Right. Yeah. But I'm like, it, it, but I feel like if there was that kind of message, it was lost because it was just gratuitous nonsense. I don't know. I get that. Did you watch this with Jen? I did, but her her commentary did not really change what my opinion was already. No, I'm sure. I just think watching this with significant others, they might not love this as much. This is oh, she was reading a book while it was happening. Not to label it or anything, but it's kind of a guy movie because it's gratuitous sex and violence and drugs and everything. It's not like women yeah. are more sensitive, but I know that at least my girlfriend would probably not like this. So Yeah, no, she was reading a book while it was happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I'm like, then it got me thinking about like all of the movies that came out that were like this. I'm like, this was a thing. And I am so glad I was not of age to see this onslaught of just like shitty gang movies. Yeah. Well, after this, you get stuff like Pulp Fiction and True Romance, which refined the genre into something that all the film bros that come up at our age wanted to replicate right so right. everyone cites that but it was already happening four years earlier right right it's like it's like walking says <laughs> you know it was this was already happening before i came along yeah <laughs> yeah 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 so it kind of came full circle but i don't yeah, know i wonder if ferrara pushed the envelope just because he could or because i don't know if because he was, he was financed by the richest most corrupt man in italy he could do whatever he wanted he was yeah. a made man almost absolute power corrupts yeah. Yeah. so obviously I, I like the movie a lot I don't know how you guys feel Tristan and uh, Jimmy oh I, I, I liked it it was a uh, very um, you know very 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 um, like I said, I probably wouldn't show this. He's so descriptive, Jimmy. This is cool. uh, yeah, no, no. I'm a <clears throat> I'm an artisan when it comes to describing uh, films. He's gonna ramble now. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I the tiny suspenders. But it's 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 a bit much with all that gratuitous violence. I think I think I liked it because I got to see uh, youthful performances from people like David Caruso, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, I love Christopher Walken. And having heard that this was one of his better movies, I was excited to see a role that I had put off for a while. So I think it was more that I was excited to see the actors yeah. do something different. Right. Lawrence Fishburne has never done something like this since because he became Morpheus in 99 and just hasn't stopped. That's sure. That became kind of a uh, peg that he got stuck on. Um, but, oh, and Wesley Snipes. I, I said to you earlier this year, Corey, that I wanted to see more Wesley Snipes because I just kind of have missed his filmography. Yeah. So I think I liked it because I was excited to see all these actors. Right. And Jeff is right. It's a little a little bit much. So I don't know that I'd watch this again. I, mean, I liked it as I was watching it. The, the, the little bit muchness of it, you know, kind of like, it kind of goes with the fact that it is... We, we are entering the 90s. Sure. So like, that's like, is, 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 is that gratuitous like action that you'd expect from like 80s films? 
And then like, it's like, okay, we're setting the tone that we're gonna have for 90s action films. Yeah, there is this subtle transition that happens at every decade, like what the feel is gonna be for the next 10 years. And the 90s wasn't sure what they wanted to be yet. That's gonna come up more and more in the next two years. Yeah. Because ten, right. decades tend to overlap in theme and, and societal genre and everything, like how the hippies lasted not just in the 60s or the war feeling lasted through the 50s a little more, that sort of thing. So the over-violent nature of action movies, I think, spills in for another few years. Right. And I actually thought this when uh, Michael Harapiranu uh, pops up on that subway. Yeah. Uh, you see stuff like the Warriors and you see graffiti-laden subway cars uh, you get a sense of what it was like to go into New York City in the 70s and then probably the 80s, um, that it was dangerous. You shouldn't go into the city because it hadn't been cleaned up yet. Like right. uh, yeah. Dinkins and later sort of Rudy Giuliani sort of clean up the city um, around this time. And so it's already empty. And you know that like the woman that Walken holds hostage right at the end, she, she doesn't really freak out. She's just like, this makes sense. I was going to be held at gunpoint at some point. This is commonplace in New York. And so it's like on the verge of being cleaned up, but everyone's so tired still. And you kind of see that with like the cabbie that gets out of the, the car right at the end, Walken's dying and uh, everyone's just like, okay, the cops are swarming us. This makes sense. We're in Times Square, but who cares? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you this happens daily. once a week. It's a daily event, yeah. yeah. You can also <laughs> so, tell that it was you know, obviously it had to have been shot in like 89 or something. Um, right. <laughs> but you could also tell because there was, in one shot, he walks past the, the sign for me and my girl on Broadway, which closed on New Year's Eve, 1989. Interesting. Oh, look at that piece of trivia. Love when you, when, when you notice that sort of stuff. Good job, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm like, I don't know. Um, That's cool. So yes. you know, they probably shot it somewhere between eighty six and eighty nine, and then probably eighty nine came out in ninety. So I think everything we watched so far was shot in eighty nine because it tends to be that you edit it in the right, early. Yeah, yeah. So the next right, three okay. films we cover probably were early ninety, just based on gestation of filmmaking. You know. Yeah, but there's also some movies that like you shoot them and then they're in development hell for three years before they even get out. So like loose cannons. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't think this was in development hell. I think this was just 89, but. I don't know. Just one little thing. <clears throat> um, so yeah. Also, I like the, the Nosferatu angle too, because I had that in there. And I'm like, oh, it's it's just, you know, drawing the parallel between Christopher Walken's character and Christopher Walken himself, maybe, and Nosferatu. Well, that's like Max Shrek in Batman Returns. Right. Uh, that's who Nosferatu is. Right. Well, we'll be talking about that in a couple of years. I hope so. <laughs> so, you want to tell us about some of the other movies? Actually, there's yeah. a pretty nope. big one that I, I hinted at at the beginning. Do we want to do the, the, the rating? Sure. No? Um, I or would give it a B. Plus. Oh, right. Yeah, rating. Solid A. Yeah, I give it an A minus. C. 
Shout out was going to be lower because he was so down on it. Well, no, dude, like I said, I like the concept or the premise, but I just a little too over the top for me. So we essentially just gave it a B plus average. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Perfect mind was the average. It's fine. Skew and night curve. Um, so I, I mentioned earlier in the, uh, I hinted at earlier in the review for this that uh, there was another mafia film uh, that I believe we've all seen that was probably the biggest movie of the year. I don't know if it got the most of the box office. It didn't do well. It didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it got nominated for best picture. So lost. Yeah. Should have won probably. Uh, yes. It also should have won its director, his first best director Oscar, but we had to wait another 16 years for that. Yeah. Uh, Goodfellas, which a lot of people that are fans of Martin Scorsese would say is his best film. Best film of the nineties. Yeah. It's hard to narrow it down to his best film because he almost got to go decade by decade. Yeah, you got Raging Bull, Taxi Driver before that, uh, Goodfellas for the 90s, Departed for 2000s. Yeah. And now... Uh, Irishman. Irishman, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. All Well, no, it's, it's two De Niro films and then two... Uh, yeah, it's, it kind of transitions over. De Niro's in four of them. Yeah. But... But this is one of those movies that uh, if it's on, I have to watch it. No matter where it's at, it's infinitely quotable and rewatchable. Um, maybe it's because I saw this first, but I always, this is the quintessential Italian gangster movie for me over Goodfe- uh, The Godfather. Because mm-hmm. I didn't see Godfather until years later. I saw when I think Italian gangsters, I think of this movie. Yeah, I can't remember which one we saw first because I came to your house to see Goodfellas, but there was uh, I saw it early in our freshman year, so I can't remember which one I saw first. But they're both good, just in different ways. I like Goodfellas much better, just because right. it's a better film. So I agree. Uh, but it has a different flair to it. Godfather is more like respectful, and I think a lot of people hadn't seen. You know, the, the capo intervention. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, they, they didn't know what the family was like. So you get stuff like Michael going back to Italy. And so you get the... Uh, the Very romanticized. Mafia. Yeah, it's romanticized. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Um, but Goodfellas is just straightforward. Like, this is what it's like when you get sucked up into the, into the machine of the mafia. Uh, and sometimes you want to be there for sure and you love it and you're you're definitely meant to be here and sometimes you don't really want to stick around because right. you know you're going to die if you do uh, and that's that's really Oda's signature role um, so I think everyone wanted to be like a Henry Hill because they wanted to be a, a, a robber but then be a good guy so I think you can always wanted that. to be a gangster yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I loved Goodfellas. I've actually never seen The Godfather. Really? At all. Yeah, which is yeah. funny because I went to the same college as Francis Ford Coppola. But, That's okay. Uh, Don't tell him that. Yeah. yeah. That's a whole other story for another day. But um, <clears throat> no, I like, good, I like Goodfellas. And the bonus to Goodfellas was it did inspire the, the Goodfellas sketch 
in uh, Animaniacs. Yeah. Can't say that for The Godfather. Yeah. Godfather never inspired any 90s era cartoon knockoffs. I thought he was going to say parodies because I was like, the freshman's coming up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. We um, already talked about it. Yeah, we did. Yeah. What did, what did you think of good films, Jimmy? It was good. <laughs> okay. We're some good fellas. Good fellas, guys. Good fellas was my first introduction to uh, the uh, uh, mobster genre, because like uh, I moved up from uh, to Jersey from the uh, from the Boonies, and um, one of my like like early high school friend or like just it was really he was really a friend of my cousin. And that's how it became my friend. And uh, I think he's, he's either Italian or part Italian. He's Italian. But yeah, he was like, oh yeah, no, no, no. Love this movie. We should see it, watch it. I'm like, yeah, no, it's a pretty good movie. Well, that's like your buddy Kyle, Corey. He was like, you haven't seen Goodfellas? He was apoplectic oh, yeah. when uh, Tristan told me I hadn't seen Goodfellas. Like, you you shouldn't be my- studying film. Yeah, what are you doing in films? <laughs> And so to, to him, he's uh, that's that's my favorite uh, Scorsese film. But, um, Scorsese is my favorite director, so this is one of the highlights for sure. Sure. Uh, I think it should have won Best Picture. What what did Dances with Wolves? Dances with Wolves. <laughs> yeah, which which, which is a great movie. Probably. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, might have to watch that soon just to be able to talk about it. Yeah, I've never seen it. In the annals of film history. I think Goodfellas trumps it. Yeah. Which one's on TNT all the time? We showed both yeah, of them. It, might be, it actually might be Dancing with Wolves. They might both be on. Yeah. They might both be on there. Yeah. Listen, um, if we didn't get Dancing with Wolves, we would never have gotten Avatar. True. So. The Postman. True. True. Uh, they should reboot The Postman. That's another one we were talking about last month. You should make a better movie of something that didn't quite make it. Yeah, yeah. that's where these remakes are coming. Well, it doesn't make sense. They remake good movies. I know. I don't know what they're doing. They want to make more money off of something that they already made money on. Thank God they never remake Goodfellas. I mean, you're just doing it again when you make another mafia movie, but... Casino's kind of a spiritual successor to it. You know when Scorsese dies, someone's going to try it. Yeah. It's oh. going to be a shitty Netflix sitcom. Well, they've already done other Rocky Marciano films just because they think they can do it again. It's not necessarily a remake of Raging Bull, but... How's Jake LaMotta? How's Jake LaMotta? It's going to become a, a multi-camera laugh track Netflix sitcom. Yeah. Am I so funny, Henry? Henry? Funny haha, like a clown, and then it's a 10-minute audience clip of just... He does stand-up. It was like Sheldon turned left or something. Okay. All right. Well, we all we all like Goodfellas. I, I yes. Guess. So yeah. why don't we? Uh, why don't you tell us about some of the other movies that came out in September, Corey? Okay. So uh, Postcards from the Edge came out, which yeah. is based on uh, Carrie Fisher's autobiography about when she was addicted to pills and other substances. Um, uh, Meryl Streep is the surrogate for Carrie Fisher and Shirley MacLaine is the Debbie Reynolds in the movie. Hmm. It's about her trying to get financed to do a movie, but 
The only way they can do that is if she's under the care of her mother, which is played by Shirley MacLaine. Makes sense. Um, it's a it's a middle brow movie. It's, it's okay. It's not great. Let me ask you this: If you're a fan of Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds, and you've always wanted to see it or read the book, I guess instead you want to watch this movie. Is it worth it? No, yeah, their scenes together are really good. Because I've been curious, and it's essentially like watching them, because Meryl Streep's friends with Carrie Fisher, so she's able to emulate her pretty well. And I'm sure Shirley knew Debbie. Right, and I've heard in in interviews, they both said, like, actually, our relationship's nothing like that. We get get along great. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) So we made it more contentious for the movie and the book. Oh, okay. Um, There was a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that came out this month called Death Warrant. Oh, I know that one. I haven't seen Uh, it. Yeah, it's a. I don't know. It sounds familiar. That's why I'm like. What? Yeah. What? Which one is this? It's pretty abysmal. He plays a cop who goes undercover in jail to find a serial killer. Oh, mm-hmm. I've never seen this. Yeah, no. Yeah. I've seen scenes. So I. Interestingly know. enough, written by David Goyer. Oh, who's not that great, is he? Right. No. Just by uh, everybody one. likes to associate him with the good stuff that he did, like you know, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, but. Yeah. And Blade, but he oh, also right. did some things that were pretty big misfires. Yeah, as a writer. Well, I think uh, with a <coughs> with the Batman movies, like he had uh, Christopher Nolan probably like giving him right. notes. And the other thing with that is you always have like a writer's room, and he just wrote the majority of the script, so he gets the credit. You sure. Know? Uh, it's kind of an agreement with the Writers Guild, you know. Yeah. Um, Hardware came out this month, which is a uh, Richard Stanley movie it's kind of a early cyberpunk movie it's actually got Dermot Mulroney in it hmm. um the movie's grotesque okay I would I would avoid it at all costs okay uh Leslie Nielsen was in another parody movie this month called Repossessed which is a parody of The Exorcist and Linda Blair is actually in it I've never heard of this that sounds amazing it's not it's horribly unfunny it's like spy hard level wrongfully accused level comedy you know when parody movies started dying out like around the time of jane austen's mafia and stuff like that i don't think anyone knows that I, I, I know that movie you, know, I've seen, I've, you know he knows that movie uh, i saw it it's when i was really. like what 12 or 13 no 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 11 or 12 yeah. i thought it was hilarious 12 11 or 12 year old uh kid sing uh mafia mm-hmm Kind of, kind of funny. Well, that's why I like Dracula Dead and Loving It. I saw it when I was twelve. You know, it's not a good movie. I've the seen worst it. Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of, actually, there was another gangster movie came out, but this is about the Irish mob, uh, State of Grace. Oh right. And this has Sean Penn, Gary Oldman, uh, Ed Harris, Robin Wright. Great cast. Yeah. Really good movie. Um, just kind of got overshadowed, obviously, by this and Goodfellas came out around the same time. So, it's where uh, Sean Penn and Robin Wright got together. I would assume so. Yeah, yeah. I was looking her up because I was trying to. She has that new movie coming out where she goes off into the wilderness. Oh, she directed that as well. Yeah, so I was curious, like, has she ever directed anything? What's her filmography? I I hadn't really thought about it. I didn't realize she she pretty much broke out. Just she was in uh, one of the soap operas, then Princess Bride. Bride. Yeah. And then State of Grace. She took like three years off in between. She didn't do oh. anything in the late 80s. So she might have been back on the soap opera 
but I think she just took a break. So she has, I think she has a kid with her first husband. I'm not 100% sure, but right. She ends up with Sean Penn there, I know. And then Ben, ben Foster, years later. Well, she's not. Uh, this was this movie. I know we talked about this last week. We were picking a lot of movies that could have been candidates for us to talk about. This movie, none of us have seen, but this seemed like the most intriguing one, uh, White Hunter, Black Heart. Right. Which, which is basically Clint Eastwood doing a very veiled uh, biography of John Huston. I think when he was filming The African Queen. That's what we figured. You never actually got to watch this before we recorded, right? No, I didn't get a chance to, but I'm definitely going to watch it because I'm really interested in it. I actually heard it's one of the more unsung movies in his catalog, and I heard it's great. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to maybe have an update someday. Yeah. If we get to it. Um, Funny About Love came out this month with uh, Gene Wilder. Uh, I haven't seen it. I've only heard terrible things. It's also directed by Leonard Nimoy. Ooh. A Leonard Nimoy directed Gene Wilder film. Yeah. That, that it's no three men and a baby. Well, I didn't have Nancy Travis. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is wild. Being put in a room. Yeah. Um, Narrow Margin, a remake of uh, the 1950s movie came out this month. Uh, Peter Himes directed this. And it's got Gene Hackman and Ann Archer. It's actually a pretty good remake. Uh, I've never seen the original, though, so I can't compare. Um, Gene Hackman plays a DA, and he has to protect Ann Archer, who's... Uh, kind of in the crosshairs of these assassins because she witnessed the murder okay. but they're on a train the whole thing takes place on a train mm-hmm. and uh yeah. it's pretty taut it's it's good hmm. Ed peter himes is a really good german director we talked about him before yeah, he's very underrated yeah um pacific heights which i give i believe you guys can shed a little light on because i really want to watch this but i didn't get a chance to but yeah, it was down between this and uh, King of New York, and we went with King of New York just because we all wanted to watch Walking. Uh, we basically were going between Walking and Michael Keaton because he's the star here, and uh, the basic plot is Matthew Modine and Melanie Griffith uh, become renters, landlords, and they t- they they fix up an apartment and rent it to a couple of people, including Mako. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, he's he's one Mako's of the nice. He and his wife. Uh, I forget the actress there, but uh, then Michael Keaton, we see in the first scene, is just getting roughed up by a guy, and he disip- He ends up running into this apartment, and he kind of stalks them and figures out how to like invade his way into the second uh, apartment, and he, he doesn't pay them right away, but he kind of tricks them into thinking he's got the money being wired, and then they he changes the locks, and then he just ends up terrorizing them from within his apartment. Yeah. Like and you he, don't know what he's up to. Yeah. And really his whole scheme is to like, uh, cause he, he, he professionally- He's he trying to flip the place, place, right? Yeah, where he uh, goes in and like, he uh, terrorizes, terrorizes uh, land uh, landlords uh, and puts them into situations to where they uh, do things that uh, they shouldn't. Cause he look he looks up and studies the laws of each like state, uh, each state he goes into. So that way, as a tenant, he has like rights and he can like just basically steal your uh, your property. Yeah. I gotta say, as this sounds goofy at first, but it sounds engrossing as well. You, you, you know what really sells this movie? 
It's uh, it's basically a Joker versus Batman movie, and Joker wins because the main character, the uh, the uh, the boyfriend of uh, the uh, he's Batman. No, no, he played Private Joker in Full Metal Jacket. Oh, Private Joker, yes. And then, and then Michael Keaton as Batman. Like he's the villain Fair enough. That's why he uh, got he got so excited. Yeah, yeah. As soon, as soon as I realized that, and like the best part is, best part. This is what oh, best part. So like, main guy was Private Joker from Full Metal Jacket. His best friend, who's warning him was, against having yeah, Keaton was Eight Ball from Full Metal Jacket. Like Dorian Harewood. Oh, um, yeah. You know him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was like, like there was a little bit of a reunion and uh, kind of a like on the sly like Batman versus Joker. I wanted more. That's great. Was not enough. I would legitimately wonder if like the the creator or the writer or the like somebody up there. Well, had to have been like Joker. Somebody in the movie heavens. Yeah, this is this is the next thing Keaton did after Batman. So I think uh, known, but I. So you liked the movie though, right? Oh yeah, I liked it. I am happy we did King of New York, let me just say. Oh, and then also- I didn't love it as much. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was really looking action. forward to him playing a psychopath. It's fine. I think it's like middle of the road. It's not okay. It's not bad. It's just not as good as I wanted it to be. So it's- Speaking always- of gratuitously violent, I heard that the ending becomes really outlandish. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine, but I think you liked it more than me. Oh yeah, just. Yeah. I mean, Matthew Medine's actually really good. And Melanie Griffith. It's like a fun premise. So it was. I think it was worth seeing once, especially if you're a Michael Keaton fan and completist, or a right. fan of either of those two, because they they all give good performances. It's just the logic does get a little outlandish, but that's what happens in some thrillers. Yeah, sure. The genre of itself. Yeah, the home invasion genre. Ridiculous, ridiculous thrillers. Yeah, you know, like the '90s are full of these. Like, okay, they wouldn't do that. Okay, you got to get out of the house. Come on, that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, home invasion was around there. Well, Home Alone is the highest. uh, Dial code Santa Claus. Yeah. Um. So this is a weird last movie to talk about before we get the poster boy. There was a sequel to Last Picture Show. Did anybody know that? No. Well, that's like the Chinatown sequel we had last. Yeah, time. it's called Texasville. And it's oh, all no. the characters reunite. I think it, except for Timothy Bottom, I don't think he comes back. Doesn't he? Um, but Randy Quaid's in it. Jeff Bridges is back. Uh, Sybil Shepherd's back. So, it seems like it's more, and it's also not shot in black and white, mm. so it's colorized. It um, it looks more like a uh, a Robert Altman dramedy than anything else, more it? so than the first movie. I haven't seen it. I want to see it. Yeah. Well, this is the funny thing. We were supposed to watch it in class, and uh, we skipped that day. I actually ended up watching Last Picture <laughs> Show, and I loved it. Right. So isn't this, isn't it supposed to be Jeff Bridges is trying to get out of town? Yeah, he leaves and then he comes back. In the movie. So this is his homecoming. Okay, so he does leave by the end of the last picture show, though. Yes, he leaves and and then this is him coming back to town and meeting all the the locals again. What happened to them? Yeah. Yeah, you get to catch up with old characters, old friends. 
I am curious about this because I feel like this is something we shouldn't have. It really isn't. And it got, from what I looked at, it got pretty middling reviews. Yeah, I wonder if it's because of that. You're supposed to just have in your imagination what he does after he leaves town. Yeah, as a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, I thought Last Picture Show had a coda that told you what happened to the characters, kind of like American Graffiti style. I was about to say, it's kind of like American Graffiti. Didn't they say, like, what's his name dies, the hot shot? In the- <laughs> yeah. And then he's back in the sequel of American Graffiti. Oh, more American Graffiti? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, didn't see that either yet. But. Yeah, these are unnecessary sequels. <laughs> right. So everybody, everybody who's complaining about sequels now. Yeah. Back then, two Jakes and this. Yeah, well, it's like movies that don't definitely don't need them. Like now, it's all sequels to comic book movies, which right. Yeah, and not and it's, those movies aren't necessarily renowned classics of cinema that get shown in film class, like Chinatown and Last Picture Show. Are movies that get shown in film class and are As studied of writing that can never be right undone. studied and dissected and are probably they're probably in the afi right i would think oh, top yeah. 100 I so i think in the top 10 like if they make a sequel to pirates of the caribbean so huh. what makes sense <laughs> who cares yeah i want more pirates honestly right if it's done well uh, but like it's it's like making a sequel to uh, Casablanca, right? Or, and Havana's uh, an unofficial remake, so yeah. yeah. So it's weird that people want to make it's be, it's it's the same idea as remaking the good movies. You want more of the same because it did so well, but you right. captured lightning in a bottle. You can't do the two Jakes necessarily. Sure. And make sure it's got the Robert Town screenplay, you know. So. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you ready, Jeff? Yeah. You wanna you wanna look at this? I'm excited about this, this one. I never heard of. So you never heard of this movie? No. Technically, it has two titles. Here you go. <laughs> oh my God, that's a great poster. Ah. <clears throat> uh. So first off, you want to describe the poster. All right. So we got a dude with a pump shotgun being chased by what looks like a sentient buzzsaw. Like if you took the 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 Phantom Zone thing from the end of Superman and put blades on the end of it, uh, that's chasing him after a giant explosion. Oh yeah, and that's it. It looks like Dolph Rundgren. Oh my god. Hey! How did you know that? That was gonna be my second question, so I'm real impressed with that. I did not tell him. I'm like, I just I don't know. I just you know, I'm assuming 90s wow. action movie. That's oh I didn't get his name at the bottom. I thought I looked through those credits and I thought I, I had scrubbed everything. Oh well. Well that was not how I figured it out. <laughs> That's true. good. It was, either, it was either Dolph Lundgren or Michael Bean, and that was the first one that I went with. Yeah, um, that's funny. It looks a little too big to be Michael Bean, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, what do you think this is about? Uh, I'm going to say it's some kind of robot apocalypse movie um, with like 
is that Khan? I can't even tell. Like the guy that's on, on the buzzsaw looks like yeah. overplayed Khan in Star Trek. <laughs> um, oh, Ricardo Montalban. Yes, but I can it's see that. the way his hair is. It's gonna be some man versus machine thing. Um, Proto Christine slash Terminator. Um, Do you want a uh, catchphrase? Sure, give me a catchphrase. There you go. Let me that log line. It's not a close encounter. It's the last. Sure. Okay, so they're aliens. <clears throat> Clearly aliens. Uh, There's some sort of like almost transformers where it's just aliens have taken over household devices or something. Yeah. And it's maximum overdrive and, and too. Dolph, Dolph Lundgren is the only one that can stop them for some reason. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you obviously know it's Dolph Lundgren. Uh, <clears throat> what would you call this? You have two chances because there are two different names for this film. Yeah, that's right. At the Mountains of Madness. No. Uh, <laughs> Kill Saw. The Flying Dutchman. Dutchman. <laughs> <laughs> How could you ever get this actually on the poster? Does not make sense. I guess I guess it does if it is aliens. Seventh circle of hell. It's said a few times in the movie. Ah, uh, okay. It's almost like a catchphrase <laughs> in the movie. That makes sense. But the other one I like better. The one that was I hate that. I hate that other one. Well, it was a TV show in the exactly two thousands. So I, it makes sense. If, is this about aliens? That's the thing. Yes. Okay. Why don't Why don't I give you the title and Let's then Corey can tell us figure this what, out. What all right, I give up. Let's do one, one last chance to guess, yeah. All right. Uh, it's something that's casually said in dialogue several times. This ain't natural. <laughs> <laughs> that was my guess. Here, I'll put you out of your misery. Okay. I oh. come in peace. Yep. I don't know why the I is in quotes. <laughs> Probably because it's said throughout the movie. It's probably meant to be around the eye and peace, but then because of the poster, it just shrinks. Yeah, that's odd. They didn't know what they were okay. doing here. Like coming peace. Yeah. Peace so is more like that should have been it. So what do you what do you think this or what what is this actually about, Corey? Okay, so an alien, a malevolent alien, crash lands on Earth. And he starts getting people addicted to a uh, intergalactic drug, and he uses that to uh, inject himself with endorphins. And, uh, basically, it's a uh, it's it, it's almost like a drug war movie. Only the the kingpin of the drugs is an alien, and it's also a another buddy action comedy because it's. Dolph Lundgren, and he's teamed up with Brian Ben Ben from Dream On. I have no idea. Does that's... anybody remember Dream On from HBO? No. It was like what? It was almost like a Cinemax show on HBO. It was he was almost like Walter Mitty, but he was always daydreaming about making oh, love with beautiful that, women. I, yeah, I never, okay, I didn't yeah. have HBO until I moved in with him. <clears> so I, you know, it's one of the few uh, big screen roles he had. Okay. But um, it's actually directed by Craig R. Baxley, who's done actually all three of his movies are pretty much really good 
guilty pleasures because he did this. He did uh, Action Jackson. And he did Stone Cold. <laughs> which is a that, biker movie. I don't know if anybody knows it, but Brian Bosworth, the football player. Is that, is that where Steve Austin got his nickname? Yeah, maybe. Um, it's actually with Brian Bosworth, the football player. The oh, Boz. Yeah. But it's a fun movie. And uh, the alternate title is terrible. Do you want to have one last chance at a title, Jeff? Now that you know it? Uh, I got nothing. Okay. So the alternate title is Dark Angel, which makes no sense in the context of the movie. Well, they're aliens. He's coming down and then, you know, ruining. Mm. I mean, if that movie came out today and you had the guy from uh, History Channel's uh, Ancient Aliens with the aliens, uh, yeah. you know, so, somebody could be like, oh, yeah, no, people are reinterpreting angel or, or, or like interpreting aliens as angels. So like, you know. However, thank God that they kept the original title because it has one of the best last lines of any movie. The alien goes, I come in peace. And Dolph Lundgren says, and you leave in pieces and they shoot. <laughs> Perfect. That's classic. It's great. It's wonderful. Well, cool. Uh, I guess we'll wrap this all up with uh, our picks of the month. And it's it's a pretty easy one, but I do have a fun a trivia right before we go. Uh, filming for King of New York obviously took place in the Plaza Hotel, but in order to secure filming at the Plaza Hotel, Donald Trump, who owned it, gave permission only because Chris, he wanted to get a picture of Christopher Walken with his then wife, Ivana. So that was the only way they got the Plaza Hotel. So in light of that, let's go with our favorite Donald Trump movies, right? Because he just got I'm alone kicked too. out of office three days ago, right? <laughs> right? That went well, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. We're all recording this from our bunkers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's January 3rd right now in real life, but this is coming out on January 22nd. So hopefully we're still, <clears throat> hopefully this gets posted. Um, but for real, uh, I was just going to ask you what your favorite Christopher Walken movie was. Ooh. Country Bears is up there. Yeah. Uh, the one where he's cat and uh, puss in boots. Yeah. Oh, it was tough. I looked this up. Maybe. Easy for me, but I also. Deer know. Hunter. Deer Hunter? Deer Hunter. I know what yours is going to be. I guarantee I know it. Yeah, go ahead. Guess what it is. Just catch me if you can. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Two mice. <laughs> no, they two fall into a bucket of cream. They move the legs. <laughs> that one mouse didn't <clears throat> give up. He never gave up. And he came out in a bucket of cream. It's that speech. That's what yeah, that's a great speech. Listen, it's his... Your uh, mother, she yeah. left me. It's him and DiCaprio because they have wonderful scenes together. Yeah. It's, it's what convinced me DiCaprio was a good actor. Even if I know where my son was, I wouldn't tell you. Yeah. It's so good. Anybody a big fan of Mouse Hunt? I don't know what's my favorite. Mouse Hunt. Uh, I did like Mouse Hunt. I forgot about that. I forgot he was in that. I was just going to say 
the feature length loop of Bad Boy Slim's Weapon of Choice. <laughs> um, Probably the best music video. I guess a runner up. I'm gonna be... go with. I'm gonna go with Ants. He Ants was, is really Ants. good. Nothing wrong with that. There's That's a, a good lot. choice. We're all in to do voice acting. Jeff picks a lot of animated movies for his favorite movie. He picked <laughs> Chicken Run last week for Mel Gibson. Yep. <laughs> uh, I guess True Romance would be up there too. What and Pulp Fiction. Oh, I don't know, man. Uh, like hey, I Seven Psychopaths. I also throw out Pulp Fiction because like, it's the first thing that comes to mind, but I know there's other movies with a minute that I like. Uh, He's the best part of Pulp Fiction, in my opinion. That yeah. scene is probably the best cameo. Yeah. Well, another good cameo would be uh, also um, Sleepy Hollow. Oh, he's good. Ooh, Sleepy yes. Sleepy yeah. That's an underrated film. I didn't like That's, it when it first came out, but the I more love I it. That, yeah, I can't wait to yeah. get to that at the end of this podcast. Uh, I guess then Batman Returns is up there, too. Sure. Yeah, I didn't want to go with Although the he's my least favorite part in the movie. Really? He's useless. I don't, I don't think there's a bad part of the movie. I, I yeah. love it. So That was the first thing I saw him in. No, really? <laughs> well, you know. Oh, um, there's too many, because I want to say The Dead Zone, too. That was the second thing I saw him in. He's really good in The Dead Zone. I'd say that, if not for Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. And, of course, he's great in the, the Bond movie he's in. He's the best part of that movie, actually. <laughs> that movie's not that good. Yeah. He he's is. the only worthwhile part, him and Grace Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I think we got one each, right? Yeah. yeah. So, well, hopefully uh, the country is still here so we can do a podcast next month. But uh, hopefully you've enjoyed our uh, review of King of New York. And uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Try to comment at the bottom of the YouTube video or on our uh, Spotify or iTunes links and such. Uh, We'd appreciate it. Uh, We'll uh, catch you next time.